Well, good morning. And as I had mentioned to you before Mass, I just want to say welcome. Great to have you with us this morning. If today's your first day ever with us at Our Lady of the Isle, I just want to say welcome. Great to have you here this morning. If you're a camp owner coming back to paradise, I just want to say welcome back or welcome home. Whatever helps your heart feel welcome this morning. It's great to be with you this morning. A special word of welcome to anyone who's not Catholic. Maybe today's your first day ever in a Catholic church. Great to have you with us this morning. If you're searching for more in life, hungry for something, you need direction, or maybe you just need God to speak to you, I want to say welcome because God has a message for us today that not only is filled with hope, that's something that I think will touch our hearts today and if, please God, our hearts are open, he could change our lives forever this morning. Two weeks ago, we said that there's going to be a day when we're standing before God on that day, and we're all going to live somewhere forever. And it'll be on the day of judgment day that when we stand before God, all of our life is exposed before God. And I shared with you two weeks ago that when I think about that, that brings up a lot of emotion in me, whether it be fear of standing before God or shame of the things in my past or a longing for just one more chance to make things right. I'm not quite sure what it brings up in you, but we had the the courage two weeks ago to dream just for a moment and to imagine about what would it look like this Christmas if God could wipe the slate clean In other words, imagine with me again today, if on the day when we stood before God on Judgment Day, if we were judged for our lives from now forward, because God had wiped the slate clean of our past. I don't know about you, but I need more than just a new year. Like 2020 has been hard, right? I can't wait to get out of 2020 and into a new year and a fresh start. But I need more than just a new year. I need a new heart. Imagine what your life would look like if God could wipe the slate clean this Christmas. Do you want that? And if God could say something to us today about his desire to wipe the slate clean, would you want to hear that? Would that be worth listening for? Last week, we introduced the conversation about a clean slate, about God's desire to wipe the slate clean, about our longing to have the slate clean. Last week, we began the conversation about what would it look like if this Christmas God could wipe the slate clean and erase the sins of our past. And as that conversation unfolded last week, we asked the question, is there anywhere in the Bible that even shows that that's possible? And we looked last week at Luke chapter 15, which is the story of the prodigal son. The story of how a father wiped the slate clean of his son who had sinned. And if you're joining us today for the first time, that's where we are in the conversation. We find ourselves today wanting to learn more about this story of the prodigal son, wanting to learn more about how God can wipe the slate clean. And as we are now together in week two of this series, what we're going to do today is we're going to dive deep inside how is it that can 
God can wipe the slate clean. Because that's what the, uh, the prophet Isaiah in the first reading today is talking about a Savior who's going to come, who's going to clean the slate, forgive us of our sins. John the Baptist in the gospel today for the second Sunday of Advent is talking about the forgiveness of sins and wiping the slate clean. And he's getting us ready for the one who is to come. See, here's the thing. The readings today for the, first, the second Sunday of Advent are talking about the fact that Christmas is not about a baby. It's about a Savior. I need a Savior this year for Christmas. I need a Savior who can clean my slate, who can wipe away the sins of my life, who can erase the sins of my past. That's what I need this Christmas. And that's what we are reading in the story of the prodigal son. Now, if you're ready, let's have a little Bible study this morning. Let's take a look at God wiping the slate clean. Join with me on page 8 and 9 in the bulletin. That's where we're going to go, pages 8 and 9 in the bulletin, as we take a look at six very particular things that happen as God wipes the slate clean. So if you want a clean slate, if that's what you want, that's what I want, then let's together look at how God does that. There were six things that happened when God wiped the slate clean of the prodigal son, and those are the six very things that happen in our lives and that will happen in our lives this Christmas if we have the courage to allow that to happen. Six things, if we get those things, if we can see those things in somebody else's life, then we can have the courage to maybe ask for those six things in our lives today. So let's take a look at the notes on page 8 and 9 in the bulletin, the Mass program, as we continue in week 2 to continue for the second week to look at the story of the prodigal son. So here's the story. The son has left the father. Now, if you've never read the story of the prodigal son, I can't wait for you to read it. Take the bulletin home with you because it's going to change your life. It's the most popular Bible passage in the entire world for a reason. But if you have never read the story of the prodigal son, it's there for you in the bulletin. But trust me, I'm going to show you some aspects of it that I think are going to be really hope-filled for you this morning. So the son has left, right? He's left his father. He had everything that the, the father could provide for him. But there was an itch that he couldn't scratch and something led him to leave, which is what we talked about last week, right? We asked, why is it that we leave? Now, he's, he's come to his senses, and he wants a clean slate with his father. Notice the first thing that happens is he comes to see his father face to face. Now, imagine what that's like for the son. Because the last time that the son was with his father, Remember the words that he said to him? Give me the inheritance that is coming to me. Remember what we said last week? We said that the most natural time that that inheritance would have come to him was when his father died. And that means that the last thing that the son said to the father was, I want the money more than you. Give me the money now, even if that means you have to die. And if that's the last thing that the son said to his father, and he is now coming back to see his father, imagine what's in the son's heart as he has to see his father face to face. Right? Look at letter A. It says in verse 20 that he got up and went back to his father. He didn't just think about what he would say to his father. He didn't write his father a letter. He didn't choose something more impersonal or less confrontational. He got up and went back to his father. Now imagine what's in his heart as he has to look his father in the eye and beg for forgiveness. Can you imagine the emotion that's there? Because I can know the emotion that was in my heart when I had to do that. But there's something about 
the cleaning of the slate that requires that we look another in the eye. We have to see God face to face. Number two, letter B. In verse 21, he says, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. He doesn't just ask for forgiveness in a generic way. He doesn't just kind of hope that there's a clean slate. Letter B, the son had the courage to name his sin. The second thing that we see that is a necessary part of slates being cleaned is we have to have the courage to name this sin. And notice that he actually says, I have sinned against heaven and against you. He actually acknowledges that I have hurt you. I've sinned against you. I need a clean slate from you. He looks his father in the eye, names the sin. Acknowledging the very particular ways that he has hurt his father. Let us see. The son now risks the vulnerability of letting himself be seen in his repentance. Let me say that again. This is critical, crucial, most important, I think, of the whole thing, right? The son risks the vulnerability of letting himself be seen in his repentance. Let me say that one more time. The son risks the vulnerability of letting himself be seen in his repentance. So here's the son, right? He's coming back to see his father, eyeball to eyeball, face to face. He's not running from this. He names his sin. And then there's that long pause. You can just feel the vulnerability of what's going to happen. Is like, what's going to happen? Let me me show you a perfect example of this. I remember distinctly um, the the December of, of 1995 when I had to come home and ask my father for forgiveness. I had been in Washington, D.C., living a life much like the, the prodigal son, and I had to come back home in order to go to the seminary. I needed my dad to help me, and I needed my dad to wipe the slate clean, you might say. And I remember a long conversation in the backyard of our house. I remember distinctly it was a cold December day. There was oysters in the backyard. My dad was kind of shucking, and I went back out there in the backyard with my dad on December 27th of 1995, and Asked my dad for help. I had rehearsed it just like I'm sure the prodigal son did. I went through all the scenarios of what he might say or what he might not say. And after I had put everything out there in the open, asking, begging my dad for help, I waited. And I didn't know what my dad was going to say. But I had to stand there in vulnerability, knowing that he could reject me or accept me. But there was a necessary part of the relationship where I had to put my heart out there and then I had to give him permission to do whatever he wanted to do. I had to risk the vulnerability of letting myself be seen in my repentance. Now, the beauty of what my father said changed my life forever and continued to reinforce the reason why he's one of my heroes and why I love him dearly. His compassion for me that day was immense. But there's something about slates being clean that requires us to be vulnerable. Look, y'all, here's the thing. This is why most marriages aren't thriving, because 
To stand before another person and risk vulnerability in your repentance is hard. It's why most sons don't reconcile with their dads to their deathbed. It's why most marriages are an atrophy. It's why most relationships between parents and their kids are, are, are not thriving, right? It's the reason why most of our relationships are not where they could be is because it's hard for all of us to stand there and be vulnerable in asking for someone to clean the slate, right? Six things today that we are going to recognize about slates being clean. The first three have to do with the son. The last three have to do with the father. So from the top, the three things about the son. The son returned and saw his father face to face. It happened happened face to face. Number two, the son had to name his his sin specifically. And number three, the son had to risk the vulnerability of letting himself be seen in his repentance. The first three things dealt with the son. The next three things deal with the Father. And that brings us to letter D on page 8. The Father sees the Son long before the Son sees the Father. Let me say that again. The Father sees the Son long before the Son sees the Father. Last week we talked about just that little small detail that makes just a huge impact, right? How travelers would travel either early in the morning before the sun got hot or late in the evening after the sun's heat had peaked. And that meant that every day the father would go out and wait for his son and he would say, is this the day my boy is coming home? And the father would wait and wait and wait. We unpacked that last week, but I want to bring us back to that moment that the father was there on that day when he was waiting for his son and he saw something off on the horizon and he said, ah, is that my son? Now, remember, the son was so poor that he was eating the pig slop with the pigs that he was trying to feed, right? That means that he is broke, has no money. That means that as he is walking back to his father, he hasn't bathed in weeks or maybe months and he hasn't eaten in days. What's he look like? What's he smell like? The father sees him off on the horizon, can barely recognize him because that doesn't look like my son. Just imagine what's in the father's heart the day that he sees his son finally return, right? Letter D, the, the father sees the son long before the son sees the father. Now, letter E, the father sees the son differently than the son fears, right? So the... The son's coming back home and he's, he's all worried about his father's going to say this and his father's going to say that. The son hates himself. He hates what he has done. He, in his own image of himself, he is the sin rather than the sinner. And he's afraid of what the father's going to say because he's afraid of how the father's going to see him. But the father sees the son differently than the son fears. It says in verse 20 that the father caught sight of him and was filled with compassion. The father sees his son with compassion. The third thing that we notice about the father, top of page 9 now, letter F, is that the father takes the initiative towards the reconciliation, right? 
Even though the, the son was coming home, the father, once he saw the son, he took over from there. Right? The father's the one who was waiting for the son. The father was the one who first saw his son. And it says in verse 20 that he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. Now just imagine what's going through the son's mind as he sees his father running toward him. The last time he saw him, he told his father, in a sense, I just wish you were dead. Give me the money. And he sees this father running after him. Imagine what's in the son's heart. Is, is he going to hurt me? Is, why, why is he coming after me, right? And imagine what's in the son's heart only to, um, to, to now feel the embrace of the father. Three things that we see about the father, right? The father sees the son long before the son sees the father. Number two, the father sees the son differently than the son fears. And number three, The father takes the initiative towards the reconciliation. And this means that none of the son's fears come true. None of what he feared came to fruition. All the scenarios in his head, nothing turned out the way that he thought it was going to be because the father wiped the slate clean. Now this is not just a story about a son In the Bible, it's a story about us. And so my questions to you is imagine if you could see God face to face. Imagine if you, imagine what would happen. Imagine what would happen if you named your sin specifically. Imagine if when you risked the vulnerability of being seen in your repentance if God saw you differently than what you feared, and if none of your fears came to fruition, and imagine if God could wipe your slate clean. If there were six things that God shows us that are a part of a clean slate, then my question is, how is that going to happen practically in our lives this Christmas? Well, that's where we're going Next week, look on page nine, look at the bulletin letter I next week, where we're going to go. We're going to answer some really important questions. The first question next week that we're going to ask is how can you see God face to face? Number two, second question that we are going to ask together next week is where do we need to have the courage to name our sin? Where is that? And where do we need the courage to risk the vulnerability of letting ourselves be seen? We're also going to Answer the question of where is God waiting for us just as the Father was waiting? And where does God see us differently than the way that the Father saw his Son? And where is God taking the initiative? All those questions that are looming in our lives now, God is going to answer those next week as we come together in week three of the series. However, for today, maybe right now, I'm going to ask that we all do two things. The first is, if God's going to really clean the slate, then we need to really deal with our real lives. And so I'm going to walk with you. I'll make a commitment to you. If you give me a little bit of your heart, God will give you a lot more than you could ever give him. I need you to stay with me. Go to our website, OurLadyOfTheIsle.com, and and, and make sure you stay with the homework. There's going to be daily podcasts next week, just like there was this week. I want you to do the homework every week. We're in this together, right? It takes more than just a a message on Sunday. It takes a lot more. It takes a little bit more generosity in our heart. So if you could give me just a little bit of time every day this week, God's going to till the soil to get you ready for the clean slate. First thing that we can do together 
this week is just do the homework. Go to the website. Listen to the podcast. That's the one thing that you can do this week. But even more important to me in the present moment, just look right here at the cross. Because the story, the prodigal son, is a story really about Jesus. And these eyes right here, look right here at the cross. These eyes are the eyes that are looking at us. The same way that the father looked at his son. And please, God, that we would have the courage today to let ourselves be seen. For the rest of Mass, look right here. For the rest of Mass, look deep inside of your heart. Just for the rest of Mass, let him look at you. Because right now, he is knocking on the door of your heart. He's asking, what do you want from him? What do you really want for Christmas? He's looking at you right now, knocking on the door of your heart, and he's asking you, do you want a clean slate?